Have you ever been driving down the highway, maybe on 378 between here and Columbia, or maybe sometime on the on the interstate, and as you ride along, you approach kind of a memorial. There might be a wooden cross, and there might be flowers nearby. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen something like that? Sometimes there might be multiple crosses. There might be lots of flowers. There might be little knickknacks. And in that moment, I always wonder, who, who was that person? Who were they? Was it a man or a woman? Were they married? Was it a child? Who were they? Who knew them? What were they interested in? What did they do? And I reflect on that. And so one day came that uh, Rachel went and she had an appointment. And she found out through that appointment that she had cancer. And she began to walk down that road of going through treatments. And she went through some um, experimental drugs and experimental treatments. But the story that I was reading about was about David and Rachel's story. And one of the things that she would tell her loved ones and her friends along the way was this. We're all going to die. The most important thing for any of us is to decide what we're going to do with the time we have left. That was Rachel's statement to those around her who knew that she was going through chemotherapy. The end was near. And her thing and her reminder to them was we're all going to die. What are we going to do with the time that we have remaining? For some, like Mr. John Cook, he was a missionary. And he and his wife Lois, they served faithfully in Korea. Reached countless souls for the gospel. Planted numerous seeds. But he continued to serve until the very end. Until God called him home. And so I just want you to ponder on that this morning. We're all going to die. That's a fact. Nobody can escape death. But the important thing for us to do is to decide what we're going to do with the time we have left. Listen to a reminder that I read this week. It has been said that time heals all things. But that just is not so. Many people get stuck in one or more stages of grief and can never reach acceptance. For people of faith, a more accurate way to understand how healing comes about is this. God will heal us in His time if we are willing to live in reality and walk by faith. Can I pause here for a minute and just tell you that as I've been studying about this, I, as most Sundays I feel inadequate to preach the subject and the Lord says, yes, you are. Stand in my strength. Proclaim my gospel. Proclaim my truth. You will never be worthy enough. Amen? If we're trying to be worthy, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be good enough. But can I remind you too, as we talk about this grief series, that there are times where you go through these stages of grief before your loved one even passes. Amen? And so we've set up a page on our website, BibleFellowshipSumter.com. You go and look at the Messages tab. There is an icon towards the top that says Finding the Good in Grief. All the messages from this series are there, along with some resources and links to books that I've used and studied from. 
some free downloads that I have picked up along the way. So use that. If there's someone in your life and they get a little bit further down the road and they might need that, send them, point them in that direction. It's there to be used as a tool. Amen? Then cost the church. It's a tool that we have, and we want to use that tool. But as we think about Rachel and David, let's go back to them for a minute. As you can imagine, her battle, her journey with cancer was not an easy one. But she did, however, enjoy 18 more months with her family, her co-workers, and her friends. And the pastor at Rachel's funeral said this. He said, feel your grief. Let it happen. And as you permit your sorrow to have its time, remember Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What a reminder. What a reminder. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What else do we know about grief from the Word of God? I want to invite you to turn over to the Old Testament, to the book of Jeremiah. Find Psalms and Proverbs, start turning to the right, Isaiah, and then Jeremiah. We'll be in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 13. I want you to see one truth from Jeremiah's word. Jeremiah 31, chapter, I mean, chapter 31, verse 13. The latter half of that verse, Jeremiah says this of the Lord. He says, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and I will give them gladness for sorrow. As we look at what the psalmist says, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And Jeremiah is reminding us that the Lord will turn your mourning into joy. And he will comfort you, that he will give you gladness for your sorrow. You see, friends, these verses like these should give us hope. They should give us hope. We should memorize them. We should hide them in our hearts. We should also share them with those who are grieving. Amen? If you don't know what to share, find some verses. I've started doing it even after all these years of having, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm never going to know enough. I'm never going to remember enough. And so I need like cheat sheets. So I've started in the back of my Bible a list of, of verses and I've written down the reference and one says, you know, strength and help and trouble. Okay, if I know somebody who's got that, here's one, trust and planted. I, I can point them there, right? I need these, I want verses that have spoken truth so that when I am ministering to folks that I can just go and say, hey, I don't really have the words to say. I really can't change the situation, but let me encourage you with God's word. Amen. Let me encourage you with how I've been encouraged by God's word. So we should memorize them. We should hide them in our heart. We should share them with those who are grieving. And in the midst of grieving a loss, like we've mentioned, it could be a loved one. It could be a change in our life. It could be a change in our health. It could be just a change of anything that we're grieving, a loss of control. We can grieve that as well. We also need to remember what Matthew tells us in his gospel. So turn over to the New Testament, to the first book, Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to look at one verse here. Matthew chapter 13, 
verse 16. And this is under the parable of the sower. Go back and read this chapter maybe this week. The first part, the following, the verses that preceded this. But in 16, Matthew quotes Jesus and Jesus says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Verse 17, For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. That was the prophecy of Jesus, that the Messiah was coming. And so the disciples, as they're sitting there at his feet, they're seeing and they're hearing things that generations and generations before them had only dreamed and hoped that they would see. And can I tell you this morning that after Jesus came, Jesus said, I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the comfort. I'm going to send the one who is going to be with you always. He's going to send his spirit. And so he's reminding us and he's reminding me, he's reminding you this morning that blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Listen, I always give you some, occasionally as I'm preaching and teaching, I give you prayers, right? Sample prayers that you could pray. Our prayer this morning might be this, Lord, open my eyes. Open my ears, open my heart, open my mind. Lord, give me an open spirit. Give me a willing spirit. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart that accepts love, a heart that accepts your will, a heart that does not become hardened, and a spirit that is in tune with yours. Open my eyes, Lord. Give me open eyes and open ears. Help me to see where you're at work around me. Help me to hear the things that you need me to hear. Everything you hear is not good, amen? Everything that even is is proclaimed from so-said pulpits in this nation and around this world are not truth, amen? So you need to judge it by the word of God. You need to make sure that you're sitting under preaching and teaching that's solid. You need to make sure that you're reading things that are solid. Don't just read it because it's a bestseller. That bestseller might lead you straight to hell, amen? But we got the bestseller in all the world, but it's the least read. It's the least read. So moments of grace, that's what we're talking about this morning. So what are they? What are moments of grace? It's a thought that presses upon us that we immediately know comes from God. Sometimes it happens when we're struck by a demonstration of the majesty and the beauty of God's creation and feel a warm peace wash over us. At other times, moments of of grace happen because we encounter another human being whose presence, whose words or actions become a channel through which God speaks to us. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Because if you're here this morning and you're a believer in the child of God, Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and I keep, I keep like hammering this home, but God comforts us so that we may comfort others, right? He didn't just bring you through a valley. He didn't just bring you through what he's brought you through. He might be taking you through that now, but he's going to use that. And so I want to ask you, are you a conduit through whom the Lord can use? 
People, they experience moments of grace. People who are grieving, people who are hopeless can experience moments of grace when there's another human being, when there's a child of God whose presence, whose words, whose actions become a channel through whom God can speak to others. I want you to think about that this morning. Is your, what do people do when, they, when you walk in their presence? When you walk into their presence, do they kind of tense up? Do they, do they step back? Do they, do they walk towards you? Do they embrace you? Or are they like, what she want this time? What's he going to say now? What about your words? Your words have so much action. Go over and read James. You know, James says, listen, we bless the Lord and then we cuss other people. It, sh- it shouldn't be. Our words, our presence, and our actions. Listen, friends, when we're on a journey of grief, it's important to pay attention and to listen for God to speak, for God's comfort, and for God to guide. Can I remind you of something else this morning? For people of faith, there are no coincidences in life. God is at work in all things. It is not luck. It is not coincidence. God is at work in all things. Romans 8.28, Paul tells us, All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? He's called each and every one of you to do something. As I look around this room, I can call out certain things. One of you takes her Facebook page and uses an outlet to spread truth and to spread hope. One of you is in the paint business and you spread hope by just the way you interact with other people. One of you is in the flower business and you are there to help people when they're grieving. Amen. When they they want this beautiful arrangement to, to represent... And it's a beautiful thing of God's glory, but they want it to be a beautiful testament of their loved one. Amen? And so how you conduct your business, how you do those things, how you treat others, how you use your words is important. Amen? Are you looking at every day and saying, God, give me an open heart and open ears. Lord, help me to be a vessel of hope and encouragement today. And then when people walk in the door, are you treating them with grace and compassion? Here are a few nuggets of wisdom that I picked up while studying this week. And I want to go through these quickly. If you need them, I'll be glad to email them to you or share them with you afterwards. I want to go through them kind of quickly because there's a couple other points that I want to hit this morning. But here's some nuggets of wisdom that I picked up as I was studying about moments of grace. In the early stages of grief, it is usually best for us to only make minor changes in our daily lives. When you're grieving, when you're going through a journey of grief, don't make major changes. That's not the time. Every personal tragedy is an opportunity to grow spiritually. Right? So often people only want to go to Jesus when things are bad. Man, he want, as we sung this morning, it's his breath that even gives us life. And so how conceited, how arrogant, how stuck up are we? How sinful and prideful are we that it's like, oh man, I got this. 
Man, something bad happens. Hey, brother, will you pray for me? Oh, God, will you come and help me? No. Have a relationship with him ongoing all the time. Amen? You don't have to be a spiritual nut. You don't have to be like flamboyant and be like, holy cow, I mean, this guy's just way on like overboard. Have you ever been around a Christian like that? I've been around one. And they said, she's just dripping with honey. You know, and it's like, whoa, it's kind of a turnoff. But you can live your life in a way that glorifies God. Amen? You can live your life in a way that honors him, how you treat other people. Listen, grief is a normal response to significant loss. So because you're grieving, that doesn't, make, that doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It just means you're normal. And actually, I don't want to go from preaching to meddling, but define normal. What is normal? Like somebody said recently, the best normal they've ever found is on a dryer. Amen? That's the only normal they've ever found is on a dryer. There is no such thing as normal. Listen, failing to ask for help is probably the single greatest reason people get bogged down along the way. Ask for help. Ask for help. In order for healing to occur, typically it is necessary for people to want and to ask for healing. Amen? Our Lord Jesus Christ... He will not force himself upon you. Amen. He wants you to be, he wants to be a part of your life and he wants you to invite him in. But he's not going to force his way. He wants to be invited. He wants to be a part. All you have to do is just say, Lord, I don't know. I can't handle this. Please help me. Please help me. See, acceptance in, as we go through grieving is characterized by a desire to be healed and a willingness to trust the healer. Now that leads us to this point. The desire to be healed, you hear that? A desire to be healed, and the willingness to trust in God's comfort and care. These two are prerequisites. They're necessary for a child of God to push through a time of grief, to heal and to not get stuck. We have to want it, amen? We have to have a desire that there be healing. And then we also have to have a willingness to trust God's comfort and care. If you take that desire to be healed and you take that willingness to trust in God and listen, friends, some of you are walking, some of you have been hurt by the church and it's not this building. This building didn't hurt you unless a ceiling tile or something fell on you. I mean, you'd be hurt that way, but it's people in the church. So you're, you're, you're leery. You're like, whoop, I don't know about that. I mean, even you showing up this morning is, is a step of faith. Amen? So sometimes in our faith with God, it's trusting Him. It's just saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to trust you in this. Some of us is an abandoned, woo, yeah. But what do we do? We might say, we might be all out when we praising and worship and singing our, and raising our hands. But what do we do? We start pulling stuff back. We try to take those things on ourselves. Just trust Him in the little things. Trust Him in that moment. Trust Him in that conversation. Trust him. Listen, as Julie, we talked about David and Julie earlier. As Julie was in the middle of her chemo treatments, one day she asked David this. She said, what was your happy moment today? And her husband was like, I'm, you know, you could hear it as you read the story. It was like, what? Seriously, you're in the midst of chemo. You're, you're weak and frail, and you're going to ask me what was my happy moment today? But she did. 
And he had to think about it. And while he was thinking about it, she said, in the midst of her pain and suffering, she said, my happy moment today were two hummingbirds drinking from our feeder. Slow down. Slow down. Moments of grace. What are some moments of grace that we can experience? We can experience moments of grace in and through nature. Amen? Whether it be birds, whether it be a sunset, whether it be something else. Nature. We can experience moments of grace. This week, actually, as I was studying in this message, or was it last week's message? I can't remember. I went and I sat outside and we live in town. And even in the midst of being in town... I began to hear the chatter of the birds. And I was reminded how great our God is. Amen. Even in the midst of the hustle and the bustle all around me, I could appreciate God's creation in nature. Moments of grace can come through songs. Moments of grace can come through an email. Moments of grace can come through a text. Moments of grace can come through a call. And moments of grace can come through a conversation. She asked him what is, is, Julie asked David what his happy moment of the day was. He was shocked. How could it be? But as time went on, as her, as she began to become weaker and weaker, he realized that he too had missed noticing and appreciating the main little blessings each and every day. A song that keeps popping up in my head. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And then it goes on. It's, a, it's kind of a mix of an old hymn. And it says, it is well. It is well with my soul. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Friends, the only way that you can sing and mean it, it is well with my soul as if you keep your eyes on Him. Amen? So I want to ask you this morning, how do we apply today's message? How do we apply today's message? That's what it's all about. And I hope and pray that every Sunday when I stand to behind this holy and sacred desk, that there is some application. I'm not just here to give you some self-help talk, amen? I'm not just here to tell you how to make your life better. I'm here to show you what God's Word says and then help you apply it to your life. I struggle with application. But I think today, I want you to know that we need to begin looking for moments of grace each and every day. Even if you're not going through a journey of grief, Just begin by looking for moments of grace, looking for those things in and through your day that you're like, thank you, God. And one of the ways to do that is a gratitude journal. It's a gratitude journal. Simply, you can use it on your phone, but writing helps. Writing it out actually helps in like a notebook. And listen to what a gratitude journal can do. It lowers stress levels. It adds a sense of calm as you wind down your day. As you go through this exercise, it helps you to gain a new perspective on what's important in life. It also helps you to focus on what really matters. And most importantly, it helps you to see the moments of God's grace as you go through the day. I've done this before. I've had a note on my phone, and I would write two or three positive things. 
And occasionally I will write something that was negative, write something that was challenging that day. And I use a little squiggly tilde symbol on the keyboard to do the kind of negative thing. But I even write the negative thing sometimes because, you know what, when I go back and look, like I'm kind of praying that through as I'm thinking that, but it helps me to see where God was moving. Amen. As I wrote that down, the good and the challenging, it helps me to see where God was moving in my life. The things that challenges me is may, might just be the spiritual sandpaper that I need in my life that He's making me more like Jesus. Amen? Another moment of grace for David is after Julie's passing, sorry, after Rachel's passing, she enjoyed painting. And one of her paintings was a large barren oak tree against a sunset background. She worked for a hospital, and so they, she, he donated this painting to the hospital, and they had a room that was named after Rachel. That was a moment of grace in his life that they were able to use and to share and to enjoy that painting. But listen to this. Listen to the courage and the insight that Rachel had. She knew her days were drawing near. She bought birthday presents. And she bought and wrote cards, wrote letters to her children and to her family that were specific for each of the birthdays before their 18th birthday. And so for three years after her death, not with dread did they look upon that, but they looked upon getting a present and a letter from their mother that washed over them of who God was and how great he was. Can you imagine the strength and the insight that it took to have that? She also wrote a letter to her husband that wasn't supposed to be opened until a year after she had died. And she basically thanked him for all that he had done and walking by her side and how great a man he was. And she said, you know, no, she basically just encouraged him to begin the process of finding a significant other. But even in that, before she died, she wrote that and she had an impact even after her death. One of the first statements that I made this morning was that I want us to consider the moments of grace that occur along one's journey through grief. And the final moments that I have with you this morning, I want to share this. I got to talk with one of our very own about their journey through grief. I got to talk with Miss Terry Phillips. And she told me, and she wants to remind you this morning, that there is no way a parent easily goes through losing a child, but knowing the Lord brought her peace. She knew Andrew was saved because they had a conversation. Six months before his death, the baptismal waters were filled and their entire family was baptized. Bill and Terry and Andrew and their sister Katie. Six months before he passed away. Terry said it gave her comfort knowing that Andrew was with the Lord and that he was no longer sick, he was no longer feeling bad. She said he had not been well for a while, but they did not know until after how sick he really was. 
You see, Terry says it gives her comfort knowing that she'll see him again one day. But on hard days, she doesn't want to think about how long that might be. But there is comfort in knowing someday she will see him again. She says she can definitely tell you that by knowing the Lord and having a relationship with Him makes it easier. It doesn't make it painless. It doesn't make it a cakewalk. But by knowing the Lord, by sharing her story, by sharing what she's been through, she's been comforted by God. She's been comforted by others. And she didn't just accept that comfort. She just didn't accept those things that were done to her. Now when she sees people in need, she knows how to love them. She knows, she knows things that she can say. She knows little things that can be done. Amen? She experienced moments of grace. One of the greatest ones that she told me, and it just stuck with me. She told me one of the greatest moments of grace. She told me this a few weeks ago before we were even in this series. She said one of the things that made the biggest difference was just getting a reminder. Simply saying, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. Or somebody else might text and say, or Facebook message is what it was. I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you today. One woman, she told me the story of how she wasn't even close to this lady. But randomly, she would just reach out and say, I'm thinking about you. And she talked about how that made all the difference in the world. Another moment of grace that she experienced was this. That many people reached out and wrote on Andrew's Facebook page. And that somebody had, God whispered, and someone was obedient. And you know what they did? They said they knew in their mind, they're grieving, I'm going to do this. And you know what that was? They copied all of those comments of what people had said. And at some point they gave them to Terry. And Terry said, I never would have thought to do that. But even now, she looks back with joy and realizes the impact that Andrew's life had. He probably never, as she said, he probably never realized the impact that he had. But she and Bill and her family know. Listen, guys, as my buddy Lee Brown who I love dearly as a brother in Christ, who has sharpened me, who's challenged me, who has loved me in times when other people walked away. See, that's what a true friend is. That's how you know who your true friends are. Is when, it, when it hits the fan, who's still standing by your side? Who walks into the mess instead of away from the mess? That's how you know who your true friends are. And Lee and I were talking earlier this month, and I just enjoy spending time with him. And he told me this. He said, when you get to be a part of someone's life, you know how to love and to pray and to walk alongside them better. You have compassion for them and all they've been through. As Terry has shared through conversations and through messages and emails, and you hear her story. You hear what she's been through. You have compassion you have understanding. Amen? It helps you to see that person for all that they've been through. And God does not, you, God does not 
take us through things like that for no end. Amen? He takes us through things like that so that we might draw closer to Him and that He might use it elsewhere in our lives. Listen, Terry looked back and said this, That was a really hard year and there was a lot to grieve and to deal with. Listen to this. Bill's dad passed in November. She was going through cancer treatments and had just finished in February. Andrew passed in May and Kate left for college in August. That was a lot to deal with and there were all types of grieving in that short eight to nine months. Right? Friends, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, if you're grieving this morning, if you're grieving a loss, if you're grieving a change in your life, you are not alone. One way that we get stuck, what did I say earlier? The one way we get stuck is by not asking for help. From the Lord, from others, from a counselor, from your pastor, from your friends. Terry ended by saying, I honestly don't know how we would have gotten through it all without God's grace or without the grace of our church family and friends who were there. So my challenge to you this week is to be there for someone you know. Be the church this week. Church is not four walls, amen? Yeah, we put a sign outside that says Bible Fellowship Church. The church, in Jesus' eyes, is not these four walls. Is not 227 Broad Street in our instance. You and I are the church. We are the body. We are His hands. We are His feet. And He is calling us to go in and to be the church. He's calling us to go in and be there for someone this week. As we mentioned this morning, we have those who are hurting. We have those who are going through treatments, cancer treatments in our church. They're recovering. We have shut-ins dealing with loss of privileges and life changes. They're right here in our midst. Most Sundays, we don't get to the closing hymn anymore. But you know what? This morning, I would not trade that for the world. I would rather have more time in prayer like we did than anything else. Because prayer is what calls down heaven. Amen? So you might see it in the bulletin and thank God we don't get to it. Sorry, Miss Betsy. I know you probably were, you, you play it. But I would rather have prayer... I'd rather it be in the Word. Just because it's in there doesn't mean it has to be done. Amen? But I want to leave you with this thought. In the book, Finding the Good in Grief, Rediscover Joy After a Life-Changing Loss, listen to what the author says. The road to recovery is paved with moments of grace. If we have eyes to see, there are moments of transparency when we catch glimpses in the midst of our sorrows and everyday struggles, that God is with us. God is for us. And God will never abandon us. To anyone facing a terrible loss today, my advice is to you to use your spiritual eyes 
and see all of reality. Moments of grace happen every day. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the series. Lord, in your divine wisdom, you had this plan for such a time as this. Even in our own church family, people who are going through losses of loved one, loss of privilege, changes in their life, changes in their schedule, changes in their routine, changes in their freedom. And Father God, it is not by accident that you brought us to this place. And so I pray now that as we're learning these things, as we're seeing what it means, Lord, that we would catch some glimpse of your glory, that we would ask that this week, maybe our prayer might be for several days, just to try it. Just to see what you might do and say, Lord, open my eyes and my ears that I might see someone who needs encouragement. I might need someone today who needs a moment of grace. God, may our prayer be that we walk in not to make much of ourselves, but that we may be used by you as a vessel of hope and encouragement. And I pray this week that we would not only be the difference in someone's life, God, but that we would be the church, that we would love and lead like Jesus in our homes, in our offices, in our church, in our community, in our circle of influence. Father God, I thank you that you love us, that you're gracious, and God, that you said that you will turn our mourning into joy. So Father God, we ask that now in the name of Jesus for those in our church that are hurting. We pray that you be with them in a way that only you can. Father, we pray as we leave that we may go that we may have open eyes and open ears to just come and to love and to step aside someone who is hurting and point them to you. Father, we thank you and we love you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.